Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, the Lightning play tonight in Miami and Sunrise. We'll talk about them a lot, of course, post-game uh, and catch you up on what's going on uh, with their team. But we're going to talk Buccaneers today, a lot of Buccaneers. And I was at the Bucks rookie minicamp, uh, some tryout players there as well. I want to give you my observations. There's been a little bit of news. They've actually signed some tryout guys, um, a, another Ivy League tight end to go with Cameron Bray because, you know, we gotta, you can't have enough Ivy League tight ends. Uh, this one's not from Harvard. It's from the rival school. So hopefully these guys will get along. Yale tight end J.J. Howland um, is uh, signed after the weekend minicamp. And uh, defensive lineman from James Madison, Mike Green, gets a contract. And a Coastal Carolina receiver, Cameron Brown. I saw him make a lot of catches over the weekend. So I, I wanted to just, you know, the funny thing about rookie minicamps are um, that basically, you know, you, you're going to assemble about 50 guys to really take a look at your draft picks. I mean, that, that's, that's what you want to see. There's a, there's a little bit of a, of a show pony feel to it. It's like, okay, we drafted these guys. Let's march them out here. And they're in shorts, and no one's allowed to have contact. And so you're not really, you know, it's the underwear Olympic football uh, contest. So it's, it's difficult to gauge, you know, these guys aren't really doing football stuff. And for the most part, They've all been training for things like the combine. They've not really played football since January, and and so for a lot of them, they're not in quote unquote football shape. You know, they've been working on their forty time. They've been working on the vertical leap. They've been working on the shuttle runs and things like this. Uh, and a lot of them are coming from different climates, and so they have to adjust to the heat. It wasn't incredibly humid out there, but you know, for some, uh, if you're in upstate Washington, you know, it's a it's a bit of a, a bit of a change. So. You know, you had these, this three-day mini camp, and um, most of it is to see sort of how guys can handle the information, retain the information, and then correct mistakes because you're going to have plenty of mistakes out there on the field. And it's football practice. It looks like any practice you've ever seen. There's a walkthrough. There's install. Um, there's individual periods. Then you go, you know, uh, offense and the defense on the same different fields, and then they come together and You'll have seven on seven and eventually 11 on 11. Um, and they were out there for about two hours. But it's an introduction. You know, guys come in for the first time as pros. All they're worried about is football. School is over for the most part. Um, you know, they uh, are, are basically, you know, NFL players. And they put on the helmets. It, it was really funny, man. We were talking to some of these guys. And, um, you know, they were like, you, you kind of stand there for a minute you know, whether it's in the mirror or you look at that helmet, and, and that's when it really strikes them. They're walking in to an NFL facility. Um, you know, they're, they're doing those kinds of things. So um, from that standpoint, it, it's neat because you see these guys beginning to fulfill their sort of their lifelong dreams. Um, but just in terms of, you know, observations and, and you know, who stood out, et cetera, the guy they most want to look at is their first pick. 
and he was the first pick of the second round because they traded out of the first, number 33 overall, and that's Logan Hall. And the immediate re- impression you get with Logan Hall is he is a giant man. Um, you know, this is a guy that's, what, six foot six. I think his weight is right around 285, 287. Um, they think he's going to be over 300 at some point. But he's, he's massive. And and he has a lower like lower rig to him, a lower base to him that you're like, yeah, I can see this guy playing defensive tackle, and and you know he's he's a long guy, um, you know this is not your your squatty nose tackle that you're sort of used to, um, but when you consider they're going to put him next to Vita Vea, these two young guys are going to be, uh, and, and again he's got so much to learn. He hasn't played one down in NFL football. I know I know all of that. He's going to. He's only 22 years old, so it's going to take him time to sort of develop. But they still have Will Golston. Um, you know, you, you still have Raquez, Raquez Nunes, Roaches. You have rotational guys that you can help along with that process. But he is a massive person and nice guy from a military family, very respectful, very understated, quiet, um, you know, but uh, – loves football and and we'll find out more about those guys when the pads come on and that's the thing like when you have offensive defensive linemen in mini camps with no pads um it's more about technique it's about effort it's about burst and and you know how fast they are off the ball and those things and he showed all of those things i mean he's a very impressive athlete and just really impressive guy um to begin with the other guy and this was interesting too you know we asked todd bowles after the mini camp sort of who he's most looking forward to watching, uh, you know, beyond this past weekend because, again, it was all rookies and, and most of those guys aren't going to make the ball club. Um, and they're going to get together now with the veterans and the OTAs begin today, as a matter of fact. Um, we'll, we'll be out there. Joey Knight will be out there and reporting on um, the organized team activities. Who we won't see is Tom Brady. We'll get into that in a minute. But you know, you have a chance for the veterans and the rookies to come together. And the guy, if you ask Todd Bowles as, as he was, you know, who, do you, who are you looking forward to seeing with all those rookies and veterans together, he said Luke Godekey. Luke Godekey is their second-round pick, their second second-round pick. He was 57 overall, and they got him from Central Michigan. Offensive guard who's a unique guy, to say the very least. I mean, he's got a nasty streak to him. He's got a lot of Ryan Jensen in him, if you will. Um, you know, converted tight end, went to Central Michigan, uh, offered a scholarship when he, when he uh, you know, arrived there for like a walk-on type situation. And he is going to compete for that left guard spot. Of course, Ali Marpet retired, 28 years old. The Bucks weren't anticipating that. All of a sudden, they have to replace um, the left guard spot. And you have some good players there. I mean, you've got Aaron Stinney there. And Robert Hainsey is going to be competing for that spot, who they drafted from Notre Dame a year ago, can play guard or center. And those guys aren't just going to lay down and say, well, hey, here comes the draft pick. You know, I guess it's his job. Uh, they're going to push go to key. And that, that battle, whoever emerges from that, whether and I wouldn't discount Stinney either because this is a guy that, you know, as a rookie from James Madison – was thrust into the playoffs after the first playoff game in Washington, and all he did was play extremely solid around Tom Brady, didn't give up anything, um, and they went on that run you know, at New Orleans, at Green Bay, and then in the Super Bowl. So he has played in the biggest games and won. He's a very, you know, very capable guy, 
you add him, you add, you add um, you know, Hainsey and Godekey, who you would think would have an edge just simply because of, of where they drafted him, right? Um, but he's going to be one to watch because when the pads come on, that's when he's going to really show. Uh, I know I'm going kind of down the list here for a reason, but um, let me just stop a little bit here because I wrote a story about Rashad White um, in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com if you want to check that out. From what I saw from Rashad White, and, and here's the thing, it's a big learning curve for running backs because in college, even if they're used as receivers, what they're not typically doing in the spread offense is blitz pickup, you know. Um, those guys are getting the ball out of their hands fairly quickly. They're in the shotgun all the time. Um, you know, and, and the ones that did catch passes weren't normally kept in there to block. They were usually out into the routes pretty quick, whether in the flat or lining up wide or whatever. And, you know, so there, there's a big learning curve that has to occur. The, fir- the first thing is, is the guy a willing blocker. I think Rashad White will be. Rashad White, you can see he, it's infectious how much he loves football. I mean, that's the one thing that John Spytek and Jason Light and those guys have done is they found guys that really love the game and want to play it. Um, and that sounds simplistic, but you'd be surprised how many guys in the NFL do not love football. They're not in love with They love what football brings them. Uh, they love being in the NFL. They may even love, you know, three hours on Saturday or Sunday or Monday or Thursday, but they don't love football, you know, and these guys, when you hear them talk about the game, they love everything about it. You know, they, they love the grind. They love the pain, all that stuff. Rashad White is that guy. Rashad White, I think, would be out there whether you paid him or not. Um, and when you watch him, he's a taller back. You know, he, he's six foot one, um, well, you know, well over 200 pounds, uh, and a guy that, frankly, is built more like a wide receiver than he is a running back. But we've seen some big running backs in the league before. Um, you know, I know he played for Herm Edwards, so Herm is friends with Marcus Allen. He compares him to them. You know, in terms of body type, not necessarily. Obviously, is he a hall of a budding Hall of Fame player? Um, but he's got skills, and they stood out, and they stood out right away. Uh, you know, as, especially in the receiving department, natural pass catcher. You know, a guy that's not going to fight his hands. A bigger guy, um, someone who can get separation. Someone who has a catch radius. You know, like when you watch Keyshawn Vaughn, for example, run out in the flat. You know. He's a smaller guy, um, going to have a little trouble getting separation. And just, you know, the biggest thing about option routes and things like that, you got to win the route. Like, you've got to get some separation. And for a smaller guy, smaller catching radius, you know, that, the, that window is a little tighter. And, and there's a big difference between what White can do, I think, and, and sort of what we've seen with Vaughn in that role. Uh, you know, now, obviously, they've had – you know, you know, other backs that have that have come in and, and done it, like Giovanni Bernard. And, and Giovanni Bernard is a veteran player that's, you know, established himself as a really good third down back. He was hurt last year. He's going to get another bite of the apple. He's going to get a chance to, to prove what he can do in that situation. And what it's going to come down to is who does Tom Brady trust? And I don't, you know, the reason why Leonard Fournette never comes off the field is that Brady knows what Leonard Fournette's going to do. Leonard Fournette is going to stick his head and his face in the fan, as they say. You know, he's going to know who to block, and most of the time he's going to block him. Um, they also have 
sort of this unspoken uh, trust where, you know, if Leonard's running a route and he sees that, you know, that he understands leverage, he sees there's there's inside leverage, he's going to go outside, or he might pull up when the route doesn't call for him to do that. He can get in trouble doing that too. Where Tom expects him to be one place and he's someplace else. But many times it's just ball. You know, they call it like it's just, you know, they're out there just playing ball, making it up as they go along. And we know that Brady is terrific at that. I mean, we saw, you know, two touchdown passes in the Super Bowl, you know, one to Gronk and the other one to Antonio Brown on broken routes, completely broken routes. You know, Gronk runs, supposed to run outside. The guy has outside leverage. He spins it back to the inside, and Brady has enough time to find him in the back of the end zone. Same thing happened on a shorter route with Antonio Brown. Brady knows how to read guys' body language. He sees what they're seeing as as route runners. And, you know, I think that's such a big part of the game. And that's what he has with Leonard Fournette. He has that trust. And that's why it's hard to take Leonard Fournette off the field. But it's also a mistake to take not take him off the field because this is a, you know, the, the running back position in the league is one of the most punishing there is. And there's a reason, I think, that Leonard Fournette you know, he had the hamstring like he missed the last three games of the regular season. He wore down because his workload was so much. You know, they, they basically shelved Ronald Jones. They didn't trust him in pass protection. Brady didn't want him on the field. Geo got hurt. Keyshawn Vaughn was there to pick up the slack when Fournette got hurt, but he wasn't playing ahead of Fournette. I think Rashad White, Rashad White can, has a chance. He's a long way from knowing whether or not, you know, he can be the sort of you know, back out of the backfield that, you know, that Brady had in New England. But he has all those skills. And he's also a student of the game. He loves ball. So, you know, they're going to have to work all those kinks out because you're not going to see Brady in OTAs. Uh, They'll have a couple days to work together, you know, when they get to the mandatory minicamp June 7th through 9th. But really most of that's going to have to be honed in the preseason and in training camp. But I'm here to tell you, like right now, just just looking um, you know, at, at what they've got. White, to me, has a chance to be the number two back, to be the guy that comes in on third down and uh, you know, eventually take over from Keyshawn Vaughn. And if something happens you know, to Leonard Fournette, he can run the ball too. You know, he, he's got good wheels. I mean, he's a, he's a good, smooth-looking runner, um, very, you know, very curious, stood next to, next to the coaches between reps like, you can tell he's going to pick it up. He's going to get it. So I was I was very impressed with White. Um, you know, a couple guys, you know, Kate Otten, who's going to play a big role as a tight end, he didn't get to work because he's he's rehabbing from an ankle situation and wasn't able to work out at the combine. Um, you know, so that, that was an issue. The other guy that stood out that's going to help them right away, and boy, last year, you know, it was just devastating the way they were sort of – you know, this rash of injuries in the secondary. I mean, they were obliterated early. It happened in week one with Sean Murphy bunting. Um, you saw, you know, at various times Jamel Dean went down. Um, you know, it, 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 you know, when you're having to pull Richard Sherman off the couch to play him three games in, in uh, 12 days or whatever it was, you know, that's, that's a problem, right? That's not a solution. So they've tried to build their depth on the defensive uh, back room in the secondary and, to that end, they went and they drafted Zion McCallum, uh, this kid from Sam Houston State. McCallum stands out right away. And the first thing you notice is his size. You know, 
This is a tall, long corner like the Bucks like. You know, this is a guy like Jamel Dean, like um, Carlton Davis. You know, he is an athlete. And in terms of his athleticism, it's off the chain. When he turns and runs with a guy, if a guy's going down the field deep, um, it's impressive. It's impressive to see him turn his hips and get upfield and, and you know, there's no one's going to run by him. I mean, even if somebody has a step, he's got like four three six speed or whatever it is, and he can close fast. And he's got some ball skills too. You know, we watched him catch the ball pretty well out there. But just to see him move, looks the part, going to be an immediate upgrade on uh, special teams. I mean, this cat, you know, is going to run down and cover kicks. We'll see how, how aggressive he is, whether he can get off blocks as a gunner. Um, and, and that's something, too, that the Bucks needed to do. Uh, their special teams were sort of an afterthought and have been, quite frankly, for a while uh, under Bruce Arians. And some of, the, some of the problem is, like, you know, you can only dress, you know, 46, 47 players and on Sunday. And when you have an offensive coach, right, it, it's sort of expected that your extra guys, your guys that aren't starting, they're offensive players. You know, I want to, I want this, I want five receivers up or six receivers up, or I want, you know, a bunch of tight ends or a couple extra offensive linemen. And that all sounds great and it's good for your offense. But you know what it's bad for is special teams sometimes. Um the more defensive players that are used to running down and tackling people, the better. That's not to say, you know, that a Keyshawn Vaughn or, you know, some of your offensive guys. We saw, heck, last year Scotty Miller ran down on a couple on a couple kicks um, in Indianapolis and made the tackle and created a fumble. I mean, he even could do it. Uh, so, you know, you do have guys on both sides of the ball that can play special teams. But for the most part, like, you want defensive players and fast guys, you know, linebackers, um, defensive backs. And and that's sort of where Zion comes into play, man. Uh, immediately he's going to upgrade their special teams. And just watching him move, he was the best corner on the field by far, even though he's a fifth-round draft pick. I was really, really impressed with him. Um, you know, and the rest of the guys, I mean, you can't really evaluate Coquift. You can't really evaluate... Andre Anthony, because he's still working back from uh, his ACL injury, uh, moving around out there. But, uh, you know, the blocking that, that Keefe's going to provide, that Kate Otten's going to provide, all those things will sort of play themselves out uh, in training camp. But Rashad White stood out. Uh, go to Key, uh, you know, from a technique standpoint, his movement stood out. Logan Hall stood out. That That's what you want. And then the final guy, of course, was Jake. Uh, Camarda, who is a fourth rounder out of Georgia, their punter, and the ball just sounds different. Like I can't explain what these, these specialists, whether it's place kickers or punters, um, but when you get a guy that has a naturally strong leg, and he and he's he's a he's a good athlete. You know, he was a guy that played baseball, played a lot of flag football, that sort of stuff. Ran a ridiculous time in the forty. Not that that's important from a, a, a punter standpoint, um, but he was able to do everything they asked him in terms of directional kicking. Um, big hang time, can kick off with a big hang time. So Bradley Pinion, if, assuming he comes to camp and he's still on the 90-man right now, has got a real uphill climb because he's $3 million. He's not guaranteed. And this this guy, Camarda, uh, looks the part. Um, of course, we've seen other specialists look the part, right? Matt Gay had a big leg. Ball sounded different coming off his leg. Didn't have a very good 
rookie season, wound up losing his job the next year to Ryan Suckup. Now he's cooking for the Rams, and he beat the Bucks with a, with a field goal in the NFC uh, divisional playoff game. Uh, no, that was not the case with Roberto Aguayo, who just flamed out after one year. Um, and so, you know, practice, what are we talking about, Alan Iverson? We're talking about practice. We're not talking about the game. So we'll have to wait and see how they handle the pressure of that. But this kid, uh, Camarda, seems like a fairly cool customer. I don't think they're going to have much, uh, you know, sort of, sort of shake him up. Um, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now, we mentioned the tryout guys. We mentioned guys that they signed. J.J. Holland, the tight end uh, from Yale. Cameron Brown from Coastal Carolina who caught some balls. Um, Mike Green, the defensive lineman from James Madison. They waived uh, Kobe Smith, who's a defensive lineman, and Austin Watkins, wide receiver, to make room for those guys. The guy that I was impressed with that I thought he showed, you know, immediately he was a football player, first and foremost, can make plays, is the kid from Western Carolina, Jareth Stearns. Jareth Stearns, uh, if he were, you know, even a phone book taller than five foot seven, which he's not, um, probably would have been drafted. You know, he didn't run particularly well, so that didn't help him. You know, it's one thing to be a little over 5'7". It's another thing if, if you're not running in the 4'4s, four which he was not. So, you know, all that kind of matters. But at the end of the day, give me the guy who can play football. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and look, the wide receiver room is crowded. We know that. But they brought in three of them, and, of course, they signed one from the rookie camp as well uh, as a tryout guy. But all Jared Stearns did was become one of only three guys in the past 20 years. Think about that. Three players in the past 20 years in Division Division One football to win the Triple Crown in receiving. And that's leading the nation in receptions. He had 150. This is at Western Kentucky now. This is Division One. 150 receptions, most receiving yards in the nation, 1,902, and the most touchdowns, 17. Uh, the other guys to have done that in the last two decades uh, may have heard of them. Michael Crabtree did it for Texas Tech in 2007. Had a pretty good career, 49ers, played the Super Bowl, all that. Oh, yeah, and Alabama's Devontae Smith, who did it just two years ago on his way to winning a national championship, I think, in a Heisman Trophy. So that's, that's pretty good company. Now, you know, Texas Tech, Alabama, it's not Western Kentucky. I get it. Um, However, look, some of his biggest games came against teams that weren't in Conference USA. For example, he goes to Michigan State and he puts on a show. He has 17 catches for 186 yards and a touchdown, and Michigan State was lucky to get out of there with a win. I think it was like 47, 30-something. Unfortunately, Western Kentucky doesn't play much defense, so that was a problem. 
But Stearns, uh, bright-eyed guy, has been questioned about his size, of course, at every level. You know, he said they're always asking me about, you know, how big is he, how fast is he, put a lot of doubts. But all he's done is produced. And they got a, a couple other guys in camp that they have signed that were undrafted. Utah State's Devin Tompkins, who's also a smallish receiver, 5'7". Texas Tech, uh, Kalen Geiger, who's 5'9". Um, those guys ran a little better. Stearns ran only five, four, five, eight. Um, but all that matters is how you run away from defenders, what, how you can stem routes, how you can get open. And even Bull said, look, he, he caught a lot of balls in college. He's got good hands. Uh, he did not drop anything out there. In a, in a rookie minicamp, it's difficult to execute because, to be quite honest with you, you, you have trouble finding quarterbacks to come in here and play well. And and the Bucks did that as well. But for the balls that are in the air that are catchable, um, you know, Stearns was able to do that. Now, how's he going to fit in? That's that's a big question, you know, because you've got a really tough wide receiver room. But the thing about it is, we don't know how long Chris Godwin's going to be out. He could miss the first month. He could miss more than the first month. Booger McFarland said the other day on one of the shows that he thought that we might not see Chris Godwin until December. And I don't know about that. It's usually typically a nine-month injury. I know he had a couple torn ligaments, including the ACL. That sounds a little long for me. I'm, I'm not sure that it's going to take that long. But but he might not be ready for the start of the season. You've still got Brashard Perriman, who they got off, you know, off the street last year, had been here in 2019, had a walk-off catch against the Buffalo Bills. You've got Cyril Grayson, who they brought up from the practice squad, winning touchdown reception against the Jets. Um, you still have Scotty Miller, uh, who got lost last year. He fell behind due to a foot injury. Tyler Johnson is back. He has struggled. He hasn't really lived up to his billing. And Jalen Darden, who you know was brought here from North Texas to be their kick returner, didn't excel at that, was pretty much a zero as a receiver. And I think Jalen Darden might have trouble making this football team, period. Um, and so, you know, when you, when you see the talent that they have out there at receiver and you see a guy like Stearns who makes so many plays, um, he's going to have to play special teams. He's going to have to learn, you know, how to return the ball and stuff like that. Um, but a kid out of a Texas high school, it was interesting, like his path, even to Western Kentucky was, was sort of circuitous. He started, first he committed to army and then he ended up going to Houston Baptist. And as a freshman, you know, he played in 11 games. He had four touchdowns. He got really uh, more productive the next year as a sophomore with nine touchdowns and 833 receiving yards. So here's what happened. Houston Baptist offensive coordinator, uh, Zach uh, Kitley, he gets hired as in the same job at Western Kentucky. Well, guess what? He takes two of his guys. He took quarterback Bailey, uh, is it Zape? I think it's Z-A-P-P-E. Uh, and then he took Stearns, and all those guys did was light it up at Western. Uh, the quarterback went in the fir- fourth round this year to the Patriots. He set NCAA records with nearly 6,000 yards, 5,967 yards. Get this, 62 touchdowns. Now, those are video game numbers. That, that's really what Stearns put up were video game-like numbers. They threw the ball almost every down. I get it. You're throwing it 65, 65 times a game. Somebody's got to put up some numbers. But you're still making plays. You're still making football plays against Division One talent. You know, 
And when you look at him, uh, not tall, as I mentioned, but he's 183 pounds. He's very lower body. He's very stout. It reminds me from a build standpoint, obviously Steve Smith could fly, but the former Panthers wide receiver, Steve Smith, was built in a similar way, much more foot speed, obviously. And in fact, um, you know, Stearns worked out with Smith in the offseason. Um, Smith was a little taller. He was five foot nine. Uh, so, you know, the Bucks have had some luck getting some of these guys, um, whether Adam Humphreys, who was signed from a rookie camp, um, you know, Cam Brait wasn't drafted. He's, he's third in Bucks history with 33 touchdown receptions. So there's always a chance that one or more of these dudes will come out of the camp and they're going to make an impact, you know, during the season. And, and the thing about it is, and I keep saying this, I think they're going to get to a point where you're going to see a small slot receiver again. Um, I, I know that Todd Bowles loves, uh, you know, to accommodate Brady and, and, and run the football more. And, and, you know, in this offense, and Byron Leftwich shot this down, but I, I, I still want to see it. You know, he says, well, the offense is the offense. And they like bigger guys in the slot, like Chris Godwin, like a Heinz Ward in Pittsburgh, a Larry Fitzgerald with the Cardinals. Those are the guys that they typically use in the slot because they're bigger bodies. They're going to they're gonna crack down on defensive linemen, linebackers. But I still think as this offense has evolved, it's become Tom Brady's offense. You can call it anything you want. You use whatever the language you want. But really, Brady is the guy running it. And Brady has always had success with the Wes Welkers, the Danny Amendolas, those kind of guys. And, and I think, Julian Edelman, you're going to see – a place in this offense for whether it's Scotty Miller, um, some of these smaller guys that can work the inside of the field and get the ball out of Brady's hands quicker. They have to be able to win, you know, um, but I, I just think there's more room for that. And so that's where a guy like Stearns, who's playing the slot predominantly, he'll learn outside as well. But at his size, you want to you want to play him, you know, inside against safeties and linebackers and let him run and try to win matchups that way. So uh, it's a good group, you know. Is, is it, you know, is it the best draft in the world? Well, when you're picking 27th and then you you move down into the second round, you're not getting the cream of the cream. Um, but they've they've managed to find some real depth, I think, at at some positions of needs. Obviously, they're rebuilding the entire tight end room. We don't know what Gronkowski's going to do at this moment. Uh, I still think he's going to play, but there's no need to announce anything. And if he wasn't going to play and he was sure of it, he would have told us. Um, so. You know, this this is a this is a group of guys. Unlike last year, where really it was just Joe Tryon, Soinka who had a, a major impact, and that was because of the injury to JPP. This year, you're going to see guys play. You're going to see a lot of guys have big roles. You know, Hall's going to have a big role. Um, you know, both both the tight ends that they drafted are going to have huge roles. Whether um, you know, that's Keefe as a blocker who is, you know, I think he's going to make the team. There's six tight ends on the team now. He was drafted in the sixth round. Um, or a guy like Kate Otten, who we haven't seen on the field, but is a, you know, an all-around tight end, can block, coach his son, all that stuff. Um, those are guys that are going to factor prominently into their plans this year. Um, so, you know, the overall impression was you don't know what you're seeing, but you see some guys stand out. And, and I think that's what Rookie minicamp's about. Rookie minicamp is confirmation. It's confirmation that, you know, hey, there's a reason we really like Hall. And now we can watch Logan move and we see his size and we see his technique and we go, wow, we, you know, this, this confirms 
sort of, you know, what kind of football player we got. Um, same, same is true with White. Same is true with Godeke. Uh These are guys that are going to contribute right away. And I think they're going to make their team better. They needed to get younger at some of these positions. And they've added the competition to the room, you know, whether it's the offensive line, the wide receiver, uh, and, you know, iron sharp, sharpens iron. So I think, I think they did a good job in that standpoint. And all these guys that we got to talk to are guys that love football, guys that uh, are going to do a good job in the community, guys that have uh, achieved, you know, in the classroom. Um, they got a little bit – some of them have a little bit of nasty to them at the positions that you'd want them to. Um, you know, so I, I was impressed uh, with, with a group this class. This, this, I would be surprised that if in two, three years we don't see a number of these players, maybe even a couple tryout guys or a couple – um, non-drafted, undrafted free agents, if they're not still making their mark in the NFL somewhere, whether it's here or someplace else, because I think, I think they did a nice job. And now, of course, we know that the Lightning are going to play tonight against the Florida Panthers in Sunrise, and a little bit of news on that front, Steve. Yeah, so we all saw Braden Point go down in Game 7 against Toronto, and he tried to come back for the second period, took one shift, wasn't right. Uh, couldn't really skate like he can skate and didn't come back in the game. He was not at practice on Monday, but John Cooper afterwards addressing the media says he is highly doubtful for tonight's game, but then considered day to day after tonight, which all things that's, considered, that's I'll, pretty good. I'll, yeah. I was afraid Braden point could miss the whole series and granted day to day doesn't mean he will play in this series. True. But if you're saying highly doubtful tonight, but day to day after that, that's better news than I was expecting to come out of practice. So I would agree. They could have ruled him out for the playoffs. And I mean all of it, mm-hmm. you know. They could have said I need surgery or you know whatever he has is not going to heal in time for him to compete the rest of the of the Stanley Cup. Just give me some hope, you know, if you're a Lightning fan, that's all you're looking for is a little bit of hope, you know, and and because Braden Point means so much to you. I also think that, you know, it's one thing to finish a game. You said this. I thought it was right on. It's one thing to finish a game without a player that you see over on the bench. You do have the the ability now to prepare to not have him with you, which is an mm-hmm. advantage to some degree, but you don't have him with you. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it it's a thing now. Like, um, you're not as good a team without Braden Point. You're just not. Mm-hmm. And so other guys are going to have to play, come in and play big roles, big minutes, um, They'll make the adjustments they need to make. They're still a very, very, very good hockey team. They're capable of beating anybody, even without Braden Point, I think. But it's going to require some of their bigger players to play that way. I mean, Kucherov has to do some stuff. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you, you you need Stamkos to do some things. You need you need your big players to play that way, uh, and maybe more so now than ever. And then continue to get contributions from guys that you know maybe a couple months ago we didn't know you were going to get it. You know, from them, but. Um, but that's encouraging that he could come back, you know, that he could be day-to-day. You'll take day-to-day over he's out for the series or out for the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So that's a good thing. Yeah, and it'll be curious uh, whether they go with 11 forwards and seven defensemen and bring Jan mm-hmm. Ruda back in, or does a Riley Nash draw in who's, who's up with the team at this point? Does he take that forward spot? Uh, I right. wouldn't take Braden Point. You're going to elevate probably uh, Ross Colton or Nick Paul up, and, and Riley Nash will take, like, the third line play that that role but would he come in or would you go 11-7 to allow you to double shift some guys like Stamkos and Kucherov and, mm-hmm. and Nick Paul on that so it'll be interesting what the Lightning coaches decide to do against Florida uh, if you remember last year this was a 
intense physical fast series, and I expect uh, a lot of the same uh, this this time around. And note that Florida probably a little bitter about the way last year went. So it's uh, <laughs> I, I I think uh, the Lightning better be ready from the jump tonight. Oh yeah, no they they're going to get a whole handful of Florida when they drop mm-hmm. the puck tonight. I mean, I think they're going to come out and they're going to be flying and on fire. But but they know that. They know what mm-hmm. to expect. They know that's going to happen and you got to withstand that from Florida. You got to withstand the crowd being up and and, and at it and um I think the Lightning will will push back. They'll they'll have their moments and you know, Florida still last time they were down there it was an 8-3 Lightning win. I know it's the postseason. It's a totally different season, but that that had to instill a little bit of confidence in the Lightning. They know they can take these guys. I'm looking forward to this series. I think this will be a, a tremendous series, and um, both these teams are really, really good. It would not surprise me whoever comes out of this wins the Stanley Cup or at least goes to the finals because I think those these two teams are that good. They might be the two best um, you know, in, in this, uh, this conference. So we'll look forward to that. The Rays continue their series against the Detroit Tigers, so we'll have all that to talk about as well as get your mailbag questions in if you want to. Uh, we're getting some already. You can send those in on Twitter at NFL Stroud is my Twitter address or at Sports Day TV. You can reach me uh, by email. Um, it's rstroud at tampabay.com. For University, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.